What were you thinking? You're not good enough to pull this off. You mess everything up. Look, <laughs> you're all alone, and you always will be. Why hasn't he healed you yet? He must not really love you. Do you really think he hears your prayers? You're such a fool. <laughs> Okay, that was a little eerie and scary, but we did it on purpose because we're kicking off this brand new series called The Devil at Your Doorstep. Now, if you're watching online or at one of the campuses or in person, we want you to know you're in a safe place, okay? Now, there's no pastor who really wakes up who says, you know, man, I'm really excited to speak about the devil this weekend at church, uh, but it's so important though. Because we have to understand our enemy that's out there. It's been said, and this is a quote, it says this. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. Now you might think that that was Kaiser Sose from The Usual Suspects who said that. But it was actually a much older French poet named Charles Dandelier who said this in the 1800s. He wrote this book of poetry all about evil in our world. But if we're honest, most people who walk around today, they don't acknowledge that there's an evil one or that the devil wants to mess with them. But we know from God's word, from 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, it says this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. So what does it say there? It says the evil one, the devil, Satan. He prowls around like a roaring lion. Now, how many of you guys out there have a cat? Raise your hand if you'll admit it. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, we have a cat at the Poe House. Our cat Snickers is now one year old, okay? Now, this cat is crazy. Uh, what you'll learn about cats really fast is that they sleep all the time. No matter if you have your own personal cat or you go to see the cats at the zoo, the lions and everything else, they constantly sleep. The average cat actually sleeps 12 to 16 hours a day. In fact, a cat only wakes up when you are trying to sleep. That's when that cat decides that they are on the prowl or they are hungry and that is our little cat at home. Every night she wakes up and she begs, for food or to play or to go on the prowl. Now, Satan is much different. Satan is always on the prowl. He is always out to get us and he wants to devour us. As an enemy, he is relentless. And that might terrorize you a little bit to know that, they, that we have an enemy that's out there that's this way. It reminds me of the 1980s, you see, because I grew up in Southern California. 
And during the 1980s, there was a serial killer who was on the loose called the Night Stalker. Now, during that time, it was over the summer, and he terrorized all these different households all around the various cities in Southern California. And he had the same MO every time he did crime. He would find an open window, and he would crawl into that open window, and he would savagely kill or rape whoever was inside the house. It was terrible. And the worst about all that is nobody knew who exactly was the night stalker. So every morning we would wake up and we would get the newspaper and we would find about the atrocities or what he did. And everybody was freaked out. I mean, it was summertime and it was 90 plus degrees outside and everybody shut their windows tight. I mean, I remember that time because my dad had actually gone away on a business trip and my mom was head of the neighborhood watch. Which meant my mom, like she sat by the phone, like our little rotary phone, like all day long waiting for phone calls to come in. Every time a strange car drove through the neighborhood, my mom's phone rang. And she got us even more scared to death as kids as we were waiting all this. So that night that my dad was gone, I still remember it, my brother took pieces of wood and he put it into our window sills so that our windows would not open. I mean, we were freaked out as kids. And we were terrorized. That was until Richard Ramirez was caught. And after they caught this guy, they put him away in jail. He had over 13 counts of murder. And he died in jail. Now, we were terrified. Why? Because we didn't know and understand the enemy that was out there. And when you don't understand your enemy, it can be really scary. It reminds me of a story that I read just recently about a lady who went to a man's 100th birthday party. She went to that party and she was a reporter and she just wanted to get a story out of the guy as he turned 100 years old. So she went up to him and he said, what's the secret? How did you make it over a hundred years? Well, he looked at that report and he said, well, it's easy. I have no enemies. She said, well, that's kind of interesting. I mean, in your whole lifetime, you have no enemies? He says, no, I've outlived all my enemies. There's none left. Unfortunately, with our enemy, the devil, you're probably not going to outlive him. Unless Jesus comes back and defeats him completely. He's always going to be here and he's always going to be present. So how is it that we can overcome the devil at our doorstep? Over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about some strategies that you and I can employ in order to overcome the evil one. What we've got to find though is what his character is really like. And one of the characteristics of Satan is that he is a deceiver. He loves to lie. Now, none of us like a liar, right? We don't like people who are trying to get the best out of us, people who are taking advantage of us, people who tell us lots and lots of lies. And usually a liar is a smooth talker, right? They come into a relationship with you and they tell you everything that you want to hear. And so slowly but surely, you build trust with this person. And after a while, you realize it's all just a sham to get what they wanted. 
you always end up holding the bag, don't you? That's exactly how Satan is. Satan, as a liar, wants to get you locked up so that your life is miserable. And we learn a number of different things about Satan in the Bible. The first of which that we learn, if you're taking notes, is number one, he is the original liar. He is the first liar that we find in all of the Bible. If you turn back to Genesis, all the way at the beginning of your Bible, in chapter number three, we find that Satan is introduced to all of us. In Genesis chapter three, verse number one, it says this. Now the serpent, that was Satan, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat? from any tree in the garden. So what does Satan do at the very beginning, right? He wants to get Eve to start questioning God. So he says, did God really say that you can't do this or you can't do that? That's what Satan always does. He always interjects a small question, a small sliver of doubt. Sure enough, Eve responds, and it says this in verse 2. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. So Eve responds in kind. And she says, well, we have one rule. We're not allowed to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, but everything else we can eat from. See, Adam and Eve had it made. They're living in this garden and they are naked. And they're enjoying it at this time. And they had this one rule. And it was one rule that God set up. But Satan comes in and he twists that one rule. Here's what he says. He says this. For you you will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So he looks to the lady and he says, here, God's holding out on you. You see, God, he doesn't want you to eat from that tree. Why? Because he knows when you eat of that tree, you're going to become like God. You're going to have much better knowledge than you've ever had before. And it's the same lie that Satan uses with us today. Satan always comes to us and says, God's holding out on you. You see, your life would just be so much more fun if you didn't follow those standards in the Bible. You see, God didn't really design you quite the right way as a human being. You should take matters into your own hands. He says, man, you shouldn't really trust all the things that you read in the Bible. In fact, it was written by old guys years upon years ago. See all this confusion in this world, Satan would say? There's no real plan out there. It's all chaos. God doesn't have a plan for us. Ultimately, he twists us up thinking that God's not really even there. See, he wants us to believe that God is actively holding out on us. That God in his nature is not good. And unfortunately, Eve buys the whole thing. She hears Satan out in this moment. And here's what it says in verse number 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband 
who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So here's that moment where Adam and Eve fall, where they give in to their own desires to be like God. And it says that their eyes were open. They realized the folly of what they had done. That's exactly what happens when we give in to sin, isn't it? It's like eating a gas station burrito, right? Here in New Mexico, uh, we have what's called allsups. Uh, have you ever been there before? Okay, one person's really excited about it. Um, but we have these things called allsups, and it is a mini mart. Now, if you go into this mini mart, you know they sell burritos. And not just any burrito, they sell chimichangas. And when you walk into the allsups, you will be struck by the aroma of the chimichangas. And you will be drawn in because they're only like $2, like to the case and everything else. And you almost always buy one, don't you? Because you're like, oh man, they're so good. They're so delicious. I need that right now. And if you ever eat a chimichanga, it is delicious. All right? You will be happy about that decision. Until about an hour later, when that grease hits your stomach and you feel all the gurgles coming in. And if you're on a road trip, I will pray for you. Make no mistake about it. If you eat the chimichanga, your eyes will be opened <laughs> as to your mistake. And that's what happens, right, with sin. We can mess with sin for a while, all the wrong things that we do that are according to the Bible. And it feels good for a bit until our eyes are open. That's exactly what happens to Adam and Eve here in this moment. They realize the folly of what they've done. Worse than a burrito, worse than a person who scams you out of all your money or a relationship that comes to a crashing end, Adam and Eve felt the weight of their decision. Because this is that moment where they begin to die. Now imagine, you've been created to live forever, to walk with God, to have a closeness with Him. But now, you realize that all of that one day is going to come to an end. At one time, you walked with God. You can ask Him any question. But now, all that's over. You feel the weight of your bad decision and why. It's all because of Satan. It's all because of his original lies. But unfortunately, his lies didn't start just there. His lies continue even to this day. In fact, when Jesus walked on this earth, he, Satan was still twisting people up. In fact, there was a group of religious leaders during Jesus' day who thought that God wanted them to get very wealthy. And so they begin to take money from people who are trying to worship God. And they use their platform as religious leaders in order to garner attention and popularity. That's why Jesus had some of the strongest words for the religious leaders. And in fact, in John chapter 8, verse number 44, Jesus says this. 
He says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Not only is Satan the original liar, but he is the father of lies. He's the father of lies. What are fathers known for? Fathers are known for having children, okay? That's what a father is. You learned a lot today, okay? Fathers have kids, right? And lies do the same thing. If you've noticed it, lies take on a life of their very own. They tend to stumble out of control and they just can't tend to snowball and get bigger and bigger. And that unfortunately is exactly what the evil one wants. He wants his lies to grow and grow and grow so that we feel trapped. So we feel like there's no way out. I've seen this before because I've seen people trapped up in his lies. They think that this bottle is the only thing that will ever make them happy. They think that this relationship is just all that I have. They think that God didn't create me the right way. They think I'm the only one struggling with this right now. Maybe they think that God could never really love me. And if that's you and you're facing those things, I want you to say that those are lies straight from the evil one. God doesn't want you locked up in all of his lies because it leaves you empty and alone. You say, Andrew, how do you know all those lies? Because Satan has twisted all those things up in me as well. There's times where I've felt all those things, that God could never love me, that I'm the only one struggling with this right now, that this or that will make me happy. And all those lies leave me empty and alone. That's exactly what the evil one wants. Why? Because not only is he the father of lies, but he is a thief and a robber. He wants to steal everything that's good out of your life. He is an enemy, not just to you, but he's also an enemy to God. And he wants to destroy you. Love what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. See, that thief, that robber, is Satan. What does he want to do? He wants to destroy us. He wants us not to have the life that God wants for us. He wants us to be utterly defeated. But what's Jesus' plan? Jesus came to this world so that we could have life, and life more abundantly. Jesus knew that all of our sins and all the wrong things that we've done can be forgiven through what he did on the cross, that we could be reconnected to God and we could have eternal life with God forever. See, Jesus came to bring life. The devil doesn't want us to have life. So he sits at our doorstep trying to get us back into that old life that we used to live. So how is it that we can defeat this devil at our doorstep? Let me give you three things that I believe that you can do to overcome the evil one in all of his attacks. And so you might want to write this down because these are basic, but they are really good. This is the way that it's got to start. You got to start by seeking the truth. You got to seek the truth first and foremost above everything. Now, we live in a world of fake 
news, right? Where everybody has their own opinion and their opinion seems to be vaulted over everybody else. Well, in this world that's crazy, we've got to make the decision to seek the truth. I love when Jesus walked the earth in John chapter 8, verse 32. He said, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, Jesus was talking at that time to people and people were chasing after all of their own truths. So Jesus says, you know what? Those people who follow me, those people who are my disciples, those who follow my teachings, what are they doing? They're knowing the truth and that truth eventually is going to set them free. And that's true of all of us. We have to seek God's truth. Very basically, how do you do that? You've got to read the Bible. You've got to read the Bible and apply it to your life. But most people read the Bible like it's any other book. They don't understand that the Bible is actually a collection of books. There are 66 books in the Bible written by over 40 authors. And they encompass one book that was inspired by God. And when we read and understand the Bible, we see how do we have a good relationship with God and how do we live according to his standards while we're on this earth. So I have to mess with you a little bit today. When's the last time you read your Bible daily? When was the last time that you had a plan to read the Bible? Because when you read the Bible daily, you seek the truth constantly. And we want to make that easy for you as a church. And so that's why if you go to our Sagebrush app at the very home screen, you will find at the bottom the daily devotional. Now, if you punch that tab, you will go to the daily devotionals. We have these for kids as well. But you can go into our daily devotionals and you can find a daily Bible reading. So we have a verse of scripture for you to read, a reflection on that verse, and then an area for you to go deeper. Now, it takes about five to ten minutes every day. But if you do this, you will seek the truth. And that truth will then set you free. Now, the problem is a new Christian, a new follower of Christ, you know what they do a lot of time with the Bible? Is they try to read it cover to cover. And so they start at the very beginning in Genesis. And when they get bored, they treat it like every other book. So they flip to the end to Revelation and they read Revelation. Not a good idea. Okay, because if you read it that way, it will scare you to death. So we would encourage you, start with the daily devotional. If you want a Bible reading plan where you're just reading the Bible every day, on our Sagebrush app as well, if you go down to the very bottom, there's a tab that says Bible. And if you click that tab, you will see our Bible reading plan, which always starts in the book of Luke. So that's a great place for you to start if you want to study the Bible. You've got to seek the truth if you're going to overcome the evil one. The second thing that you have to do is you have to stand on that truth. you got to stand on the truth. Now, make no mistake about it. If you decide that you want to live for God, the evil one, the devil, he is going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at you. Okay? He doesn't want you to live that way. He doesn't want you to live with the life of purpose, the life that God wanted you to live. So how is it that you can overcome that? Well, you got to stand on the truth. I find it comforting to know that when Jesus walked the earth, that he was tempted by Satan. Right after he got baptized, the Bible records that he goes into the wilderness where he fasts for 40 days 
and 40 nights. And at that moment that Jesus is both hungry and hangry, that's when the evil one comes to him. And Satan comes and he tempts him. How does Jesus respond? Jesus responds by quoting the Bible. He quotes scripture. And that's how he takes a stand. And we should do the same. When the evil one tries to attack us, we should share the truth that we find in the Bible through what we've memorized. I love what it says in Psalm 119, verse number 9. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Through living according to your word. It says, I will seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Then it says, I will hide. I have hidden your word in my heart so I might not sin against you. I love those scriptures, right? Because it's a reminder that when we hide God's word in our heart, we're not going to stray away from his teaching. We're not going to stray away from Jesus. When given the opportunity to fail and to fall for the all-sups burrito or anything else that the devil puts in front of us, what do we do? We come to our senses and say, you know what? That's not ever going to fill me up. That's not going to give me the satisfaction that I think it will. And so I'm going to quote scripture. I'm going to stand on the truth. Now, don't just rely on Google or your smartphone for your scripture memory, okay? Because that is a bad plan. There will always be that moment where you're in a conversation, where you have no internet access, and you can't find that verse. So instead, memorize scripture. So I have to ask you, do you have a plan for scripture memorization? Do you have a plan to memorize scripture? Because around here at our church, we have a plan for you to make it easy. In fact, if you open up the Sagebrush app, and you go to the resource section of the app, and you scroll down, you will find our memory verses. See, we pick one memory verse every month for you to commit to memory. And we build a, a, a cell phone wallpaper for you so that you can put it on your cell phone and so that you can practice it. Now, if you do this, you will have 12 brand new scriptures memorized throughout a whole entire year. And you'll stand on the truth. I'm so happy that my parents took me to church when I was growing up, and at that church, they had me memorize scripture. Now, the problem was that I memorized the King James Version of the Bible. So every time I sound like I'm quoting scripture, it sounds like I'm doing Shakespeare's Macbeth with this and thou and these and dance and everything else, okay? Um, so memorize the scriptures that are easy for you. And in fact, I would encourage you, if you have kids, you know your kids do weekly challenges around here at the church. I would say don't just help your kids to memorize the scripture, but why not memorize it yourself? Because when you do that, you will stand on the truth. The last thing that you've got to do is you've got to speak the truth. This is so important for all of us. You've got to speak the truth. In a world that's lost, in a world that's dazed and confused, we have to be the ones who bring the truth. Now, I'm not asking you to go step on a soapbox and sit in the middle of an intersection and then yell and scream and hold a big sign up. But what I am asking you to do is to share your story. Share how your life has been changed by God. And that's what I love around this church. 
Because so many people have stories of how their life has just been radically transformed by Jesus. How they used to be addicted to drugs and alcohol, but then Jesus set them free. Or maybe their marriage was falling apart, but they got the help that they needed at this church. And now they're doing much better. Maybe they had kids who were running a wild and amok, but then they finally got the help that they needed at our church. And things are going well for their family as they come every single week around here. See, every week we see and we hear stories of how God is changing lives. And there's so much power in you just sharing your story. I I was reading in John chapter 9 the story of the blind man in my own personal Bible reading. And I love that story. Because here is this guy who's born blind. Then Jesus comes onto the scene. And here he is just kind of sitting in the shadows, okay? Jesus hawks a big loogie in the mud. The Bible records that Jesus takes that mud and he puts it on this man's eyes. This man goes down to the pool and he washes it off and instantly he can now see. Could you imagine that? You've never been able to see your own parents. Never been able to see people or mountains or a sunset or anything else. But in that one moment, this man was given back his sight. We always look for spectacular moments like that, don't we? Where, man, this guy was driving and then this bolt of lightning came down. He turned on the radio and he found Jesus that way. But it's not always the sensational story, right? God is working. And what I can tell you as a pastor is I see God changing lives every day. I get to see lives completely transformed. Lives that used to be blind that now see Lives that now have the hope of eternal life and lives that are now reconnected to God and it changes them. How do you know that? I know that by the amount of people that are getting baptized at this church. Every single month, we get to see people baptized whose lives have been changed. And now to date as a church, we have baptized over 15,000 people. None of us around here can take credit for that. What we can say is that people who have been changed have walked out of the doors of this place and they've shared that with their friends. They've shared how their life has been changed by Jesus. And when they do that, they become an unstoppable force. And that's what we are. An unstoppable force that the evil one cannot stand against. And that's what we need to see. We need to see sagebrushers who rise up, who speak the truth in love. I love what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 15. It says, but set apart Christ, uh, set apart in your hearts Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. See, the world is watching us. They're watching how we interact. And so when we share our story with love and with grace, with gentleness and respect, that's truly what draws them in. So how is it that we can overcome the evil one? First, seek the truth. Then stand on that truth. And then when you're ready, speak the truth in love. That, my friends, is how you defeat the devil 
at your doorstep. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity to speak for you. God, thank you for the challenge of your word. And thank you for the fact that we don't have to go into this battle alone. Thank you, God, that you're with us. That you, the Father in heaven, wants to stand with us even when we're tempted. And you want to give us strength. So I pray for the ones right now who are just in the grips of temptation or in the grips of the evil one's lies, that, Lord, you'd set them free. That they would find the hope and the love that we have in you. And, God, in the same way that you've changed so many lives, I ask that you'd change even more. God, I pray pray that you'd break the chains of sin and oppression. Father, I pray that we wouldn't live in terror of the evil one that's out there, but that we would rise up with the strength and the truth that we find in your word. So, Father, transform us through your truth. Help us to make a stand and help us to be a light for you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.